0: Welcome to Estradiol Illusions. I am your host, Ian Thomas Malone. We have a guest who is back with us, and we are so excited to have him not only back on the show, but I think for the first time ever, somebody who has um, been a remote guest has made the journey to Long Beach, specifically just to come and be on this show. We welcome Clint of the Laughing Tree. I was about to say, Knight of the Laughing Tree, but he's actually a general of the Laughing Tree now. That's right. Clint uh, do you want to refresh our audience as to uh, all of the things that made us uh, love to have you on in the first place?
1: Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me, Ian. You are absolutely correct that I am down in Long Beach for the sole reason of recording this podcast. It's more it's less of a vacation and more like a pilgrimage to Mecca. Um, my, as, as Ian said, my name is Clint. Um, uh, you can find me at Clint W on Twitter or Laws of Ice and Fire. Uh, Ian was nice enough to have me on several of her episodes about the uh, niche television property, Game of Thrones. Art,
0: art house cinema. The
1: art house cinema <laughs> that is uh, Game of Thrones. And so now I am back on Esther Dial Illusions, I believe. And I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, Ian, that I am the person who has been on the podcast the most
0: I think by this point, Tara may have you beat. No,
1: all right, fine. I need to defeat Tara.
0: Yeah, we'll have to. Uh, actually, Tom. Well, for our Thomas the Tank Engine and Chill uh, recaps, uh, Thomas Hankins, who came back for Magikarp, has talked about wanting to do that. So, we we're not doing Game of Thrones streak. It of all the shows we could have done for recaps, I just decided that Thomas the Tank Engine would be the. Uh, We've been having a lot of fun. with It's that, it's though. the next
1: <laughs> logical step from Game of Thrones to do Thomas the Tank Engine, I think.
0: Well, for Clint's appearance today, we have there's this other niche show. It's based on this uh, comic book that most people haven't heard of because it's not like Batman. It's not in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's actually in the Doctor Manhattan's Penis Cinematic Universe. <laughs> it is uh, Watchmen, which just had its season finale and it it, it made a lot of sense to bring Clint back because it's one of those shows where you watch it and then you think about it and there's so much to chew on that it's like it's it's a good gift that keeps on giving as a show.
1: I think that's right and I think in that way the, the show is really faithful to the comic I read the comic when I was in I think college so 20 years ago or so um, and I, I, remember really liking it. I am not like a big comic book person. Um, but it felt like literature and I think that's why that's because it is. Um, and not that there is a, a fine line between those two, please don't send me tweets. I'm sorry I, I <laughs> for anything that I might've implied by that. But, um, I remember be, being really blown away by it. I remember then seeing the Zack Snyder film whenever that came out. I think it was 2008 or 2009, something like that. 2009, I think. Yeah. yeah and, which was fine. It's the best Zack Snyder movie, which is a low bar, but that's that's fine. Um, and I thought um, I, I was really curious to see how Damon Lindelof would would do with this um, this adaptation. Um, and, and quite frankly, overall, I was I was really blown away by it. I, th- I thought that um, it attacked a lot of the same questions that the the book did, uh, the books did, uh, while putting a different spin on it and asking some new questions, specifically um, extending the sort of, uh, 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 how would I put this? Extending the sort of existential dilemma of the the comics towards not just issues of Cold War and humanity, but also race and uh, sociological uh, perspective that I, I thought was really important and interesting. So, yeah.
0: It is really one of those thought Thought-provoking works. Uh, for those listening, I'll link to it. I wrote an article last week for FanSided on Damon Lindelof's trajectory through Lost, The Leftovers, Watchmen, about how how let the mystery be, which was the season two theme song for The Leftovers, how that kind of became a show that was was really a was a built as a response to Lost's uh, sense of uh, feeling the need to at least try to answer everything. And when it comes to Watchmen, I found that so fascinating because the comic, uh, unlike, you know, there's hundreds of Batman comics, maybe even thousands, comics are supposed to, you know, have the decades of lore, whether it's X-Men, Superman, all sorts of, uh, all sorts, Simpsons comics have decades of lore now. <laughs> uh, Watchmen, we had the 12 issues. We did have the before Watchmen, but that's kind of a... Separate thing, it's not really canon. Uh, And even if you want to make that canon, there's still not that much. uh, Watchmen, they had all these unanswered questions, and then for the show, what I just loved is they bring in Regina King, who is a new character, who is not... We we find out later that she's linked to a lot of these characters, but this isn't a show designed to, hey, this is going to sweep up all those loose ends from the... Comic. No, this is this is a new narrative, a sequel that pays homage to the original, but goes out and does its own thing.
1: Yeah, um, I, I read some interviews with Damon Lindelof um, when the show was just first airing after the first couple of episodes, where um, he f- said that he was very wary of calling the show a sequel show, um, and you can kind of understand why he was, especially given the context of the full uh, series that he didn't want it to be, well, okay, now we're going to find out what happened to Dan Dryberg, to Night Owl, or Silk Spectre, or to Dr. Manhattan. And we got some answers there um, that uh, that really tied it back to the original uh, book. We can talk a little bit more about that later, but um, it really was a sequel, and, and we were talking about, you, Ian, you and I were talking about this uh, before we started the podcast. I really loved this notion of how it was a way to play, kind of play in the pool of Watchmen, but to take it in a completely different direction than the original property. It wasn't something that was had, had to be slavishly devoted to the source material because it wasn't that at all. That was not the intention, was to kind of recreate, do what Zack Snyder tried to do and put it on film. The, the intent was to say, okay, the the books were great in their own way, we're going to a different spin on it and i and i think that they they really nailed that uh that distinction very well i totally agree with you that the regina king character and the fact that she was the central she was the protagonist of the the um the show uh made it really excellent um and re- really fascinating in a lot of different ways
0: and she had uh she'd been on the leftovers and regina king's done a ton of stuff but um when I found out that Damon Lindelof had, had cast her, I was thinking, okay, this is really perfect. They, he creates a different kind of television, and he really lost is one of those sort of singular pieces. We don't, we don't really, I mean, really that in t- Twin Peaks, which were fifteen years apart, um, in terms of. Network TV—they really pushed that format to the brink. But HBO doesn't have those those confines, those rules. And when it came to him addressing Watchmen, what I really loved was it was three episodes in before we got late, late in the late in the third episode when we figure out that this mysterious, dashing, handsome man, uh, Jeremy Irons—you may know him uh, from—he's the voice of Scar, uh, Brideshead Revisited—will also be forever uh he's a beautiful man i could (laughs) go on on and on we find out that this creepy dude who's been hanging out this downton ass uh downton abbey-esque manor is actually really downton europa and he's adrian veidt which was like the show's worst kept secret for the first three episodes and then we also get laurie blake also known as the second silk specter also known as laurie just pezik just about, I was supposed to say Lori Strode. That's uh, Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween. Oh, <laughs>
1: different, different. Um, Same energy, though.
0: Very similar. And um, we get those characters. We find out through previously an Easter egg with Dan Driver, who doesn't appear in the show, but he designs a Dr. Manhattan-esque dildo for Lori Blake called Excalibur. And little did we know that what that was was her ex was Calabar, was dr manhattan right and all of this all of this unfolds gradually over this narrative that managed to do a lot of its own things and then kind of at the end bring in these people in a way that says yes this is a a homage to watchmen but at the same time we got a rich new character in sister night who Got to got to be the star of the show in a way that I think wherever he well, Rorschach's kind of a racist, but um, yes. he, would, he would be he would be proud at proud of what they did in terms of the narrative.
1: Yeah, um, I, so the show was clearly about um, you know trying to interrogate race in a modern context, but within the context of the Watchmen universe. Um, and you know I'm a white guy, so I, I'm not necessarily the best person to talk about this, but I think that that they did so in a very effective way. Um, They having Regina King as an African-American woman, as the lead in a niche comic book property, or it's not a niche, like niche as a joke, but like in a um, top line comic book property is in and of itself, you know, somewhat subversive because you don't see African-American women given top billing um, and there's Regina King right on the billboard, um, right on the ad um, for Watchmen. She's the central character. And so that uh, that is important, I think, first and foremost to point out. Um, the fact that they took her grandfather as hooded justice, or they made her, her hooded justice, uh, her grandfather, also an African-American man, also fairly subversive, um, and was designed to sort of interrogate this notion of superheroes um, and who are they really fighting to protect? And I think the show wanted us to set to ask the question of, are they really fighting to protect you know truth, justice in American way, or truth justice, and the American way? Um, but what happens when truth, justice, and the American Way are tied up with white supremacy? Are, or are tied up with um, uh, American imperialism and I think that you know the the show wanted to ask those questions I think it did a better better job of answering the question of of what happens when those when things are tied up in a white supremacy and maybe less of a good job in answering the question about American imperialism but um, I, I appreciated that they were willing to ask those questions in a challenging way
0: yeah, they also really, especially in the early episodes, made you think a lot about the nature of of police with the way right. that they would wear masks, which uh, I've mentioned in I think in every podcast episode since we did the surgery. But if you didn't know, when I'm not <laughs> podcasting, I'm reading a lot of fuck ton of comic books lately because I'm so sick of screens. But um, I've read all these Batman comics, and Alan Moore wrote watchman really as a subversion on on superheroes but one thing that batman really tries to make clear is his rigid code of no killing he has rules of engagement that's so that the public can trust him and that that he doesn't lose he doesn't th- there can be no moral equivalency drawn between him and you know the riddler or the joker or anybody else when you have the police who are wearing masks they presented it as kind of okay this is a way to protect ourselves but you lose something in that process it's 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 a kind of like bullying method of cowardice it's very it's it's it, it, it it's something that people are discussing about today it's kind of this weird take on the whole uh, blue lives matter thing and it's just so ridiculous and i i loved That the way that Watchmen handled it, and when, uh, I think it was last month, I was uh, at one of our local comic book stores, and I was talking to the owner about the article I was doing, and he, there's been a lot of controversy. They call this woke Watchmen, seemingly (laughs) people who didn't didn't realize that the first, like, Rorschach is a pre-internet age Alex Jones. He reads, the new Frontiersman is Breitbart. That's rorschach is alt-right before there was the modern alt-right and he's also paranoid and he really he gets a lot of things wrong and he's a conspiracy there's no mass killer theory um watchman was able to kind of you hinted at it earlier but the 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 way that this show was able to Move from the way that the first one was such a Cold War narrative, and to approach race relations, it does it with such a grace that I really just I really appreciated through the through the narrative.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I so you you talked about masks and and Batman. I think um, you know Batman is the the thing that I think of, of, or the first thing that anybody thinks of when they think of masked superheroes, right? Like he's the, he is the masked superhero is Batman. Um, and I, I, I think that the show really tried to interrogate that idea of like, would Batman actually do the things that he's doing? He's, you know, a very wealthy person, right? Like he's a, he's a white guy, would he do those things in, in the real world? Um, and I think the show really wanted us to interrogate what it means to be wearing a mask. Uh, obviously, they they came back to it over and over again. So Laurie Blake in one of the middle episodes says that masks are there to protect us from pain. Um, and that's why people wear wear masks. And then in this last episode, the finale, which just aired last night, you had two different characters presenting two different ideas about masks. You had... Adrian Veidt telling um, the game warden that masks make men cruel, uh, which is an interesting statement for Adrian Veidt specifically, probably the cruelest person uh, in this universe. Uh, Cruelly logical, but cruel uh, uh, to say. And then you also have Will Reeves as hooded justice telling Angela at the end that um, wounds can't heal under masks, basically. That you can't be living under a mask and be a a healed person, a a, a sort of whole person. And so what I really liked about the the sort of ending um, and the way that this uh, show wrapped up is that it didn't really say, okay, one of these is right and one of these is wrong, these three different ideas. It just allowed the viewer to say, okay, how do I synthesize Those questions or those statements uh in a way that makes sense
0: yeah i mean that's really what i love about how watchmen unfolded as as both the original comic and now a lot of comics really almost excessively deal in morality not that there's uh anything wrong with morality but With the original with with the way that the original costumed adventures handled Adrian killing three million people they didn't know what to do. They were very uh well Rorschach did and he died right. because of that. Manhattan without he Manhattan literally says without condoning or without approving or denying, uh yes. And it had already happened, so a lot of a lot of what they were deciding was how do we respond to this? This is something that's already happened. We can't stop it. And he's he's Vite is is shown to be a villain, but also basically because he's arrogant. Even in this season, he's he's he, he's upset that his cruelty is not appreciated. He's upset that nobody knows what he did. Right. And nobody nobody should. And then that's actually like it shows. It's a perfect way to show him 34 years later because he he has the line in the comic of I've made myself feel each and every one of these deaths. No, you you didn't. He did not do that. He... I don't really know why he blew up his uh, biodome in there so that Stephen Baldwin couldn't come in in (laughs) in Antarctica. Um, But he he, he has this, this palace and he's sitting there and he's all alone and he thinks, oh, I'll get to go to my utopia and he thinks that'll be fun and he gets there and... No, just he, he gets bored, and I I, mean, I personally never bought into the idea that Adrian Veidt was the smartest man in the world. I thought he was kind of the tackiest man in the world. <laughs> making he made his money on action figures. And he parlayed that to a lot of things, and he's just very smug. And I the show still managed to to. Well, what I really like about how how the show ended was that he finally... He got justice in a way that didn't take away from the rest of the narrative. Laurie says, I'm going to bring you in. You killed three million people. You're going to go to jail now. And that was almost like it was an afterthought where, like, if you imagine if, like, a sequel had come out a couple years after or something, it would all be about, like, them realizing, hey, we got to bring this guy to justice. Bringing Adrian to, to... bringing him to heel for his crimes really was, was oddly an afterthought. And I really, I liked, I really liked the way that that unfolded.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I think Vite. um, it's clear that he didn't really learn anything over the years, right? He didn't grow up and, and, uh, learn a different perspective, right? Like, so, uh, at the end, Laurie tells Adrian, hey, people change. Um, but Adrian hasn't changed much, if at all. Well, all he's done is sort of calcified um, his previous views. He hasn't interrogated them in any way. And I think that's completely tracks how Adrian Veidt would, would look at this decision that he made. And I think it also completely tracks that he would be bitter that he, quote unquote, saved the world. And nobody knows about it, and he's pissed off about that, and he wants that sort of adulation. Um, that makes a lot of sense, um, but I think it also demonstrates that Will Reeves was right in some way, because so by saying that wounds can't heal under masks, well, Adrian Veidt has been wearing this mask the entire time, the entire thirty some odd years, that he is wearing the mask of just this guy who was really rich and. Re- in reality, he thinks he's the savior of the world. And so he's unable to heal underneath that mask. Um, and it shows how sort of bankrupt um, he is intellectually and morally um, at the end. Or, or I think that that's the implication there. Um, so yeah, I I appreciated how they dealt with Adrian. Um, I think that he was not the protagonist and he shouldn't have been the protagonist um he is a horrible person in the end and but he's you know a fascinating character and so they gave jeremy iron space to play within that but in the end like that guy should go to fucking jail or uh, you know like he's not a good guy he should be put away for a long time and i'm glad that they at least acknowledge that hey look by walking away from this 30 years ago laurie made a mistake and that look, Rorschach was a terrible, terrible human being, but he might have been right about how to deal with Adrian. That might have been the only thing that he was right about, but he might have been right about that.
0: And it also, the way Manhattan leaves him, I I liked how in the last episode, Laurie was able to say, like, bullshit, you didn't save the world, look at it now. Uh, That's a great point, yeah. Nothing ever ends, Adrian. That's what Dr. Manhattan says to him. He did not save the world. He dropped a giant he got people to understand he he made people scared about something else. Right. Uh, and and maybe that was that was enough, but you don't um you know the future is not set in stone, which is something from some kind of I'm thinking maybe the matrix. I sure. Know. Uh You can't know that the world was going to go to nuclear war until it did, and he decided to take a preemptive strike. Um, I think comic fans uh, all along the all around the world wanted to, especially after uh, the Zack Snyder movie, got rid of the Squiddies and put Dr. Manhattan in, which was a—a a lot of people hate that. I actually think it—
1: I think it was fine within the context of the movie.
0: Without without approving or or will right. uh, to borrow a line from Doctor Manhattan, you know, I I think <laughs> it's interesting, uh, without approving or disproving of it. But the show. Speaking of Doctor Manhattan, to bring him back, that that was like the one I almost didn't want him to come back initially because I was like, okay, right, we have a great thing here uh angela is a great character she's doing a lot of fun stuff um i like where this is going the show really it was so deliberate and yet at the same time you really had no idea where they were going yeah I, I
1: i think after the first four or five episodes i fully did not expect them to bring dr manhattan back and like you said i was totally fine with that but when they did they did it in a way that made sense they made they made sense within the context of the um, of everything that we had seen so far. I remember I had, I I thought something was up with Cal early on. Um, and I thought, because he was just so nice and perfect, you know, he's like the perfect man. Um, he's a beautiful man, right? And he's like such a nice pacifist, uh, good person, um, that I thought that the swerve would be that he was actually in league with the 7th Cavalry somehow. You know, like that, that would explain how Um, Angela was saved by the white knight. Um, and so Cal was somehow, you know, a a bad guy. Um, and it turns out I was right. I was absolutely right that there was something up with Cal. I was completely fucking wrong about what was up with Cal. Um, I didn't, I in no way saw the Dr. Manhattan thing coming. Um, and you know, look, just being surprised by the way a story goes does not necessarily make it good, but, this was really good. This was a really yeah. good twist um so I, I I yeah, like I said, I really enjoyed it. I feel like we're we're just talking about how how fucking cool this was um, I, was there anything about the show that you didn't like?
0: Ooh. we have talked about Lloyd Blake the last season the last episode to and it, uh, there's a couple images in my head as I approached this uh, remix, as I think it's been called. Yeah. Uh, the first, they're actually kind of connected as as early space shows. Um, 2010, the year we made Contact, which was the sequel to 2001 A Space Odyssey, it's actually nowhere near as good as the first film, but a very good film in its own right, and as Roy Schneider and Helen Mirren, and it, it actually answers Hal's story in a way that's satisfying, and yet you're also pleased that it's removed from the main narrative. And then also the the sequel Star Wars series in the way that uh, particularly Luke has been handled. People are so mad that middle-aged Mark Hamill isn't fronting the franchise anymore. I think that's um, really proven to be uh, very good that we learn that life goes on. And yet, at the same time, to put Laurie Blake and John Osterman in the same room and not give them a moment is really the the one the one thing from the aside from like a really steamy Captain Metropolis Hooded Justice uh, right. uh, sex scene, um, or more of the Manhattan Penis. Um, <laughs> aside from those two things, uh, that would be the one thing where I was like, you know what for whatever it it is, it is complicated when you consider that we, the audience needs to get on board with, the, there's not a love, there isn't a love triangle here, right? Manhattan, there's not Manhattan has moved on.
1: And so is Lori Blake.
0: Yeah. And we don't, I love Dan our driver. He's kind of a loser, but I love him.
1: <laughs> well, he's a schlub, right? Like he's a middle-aged schlub. And as you know, a middle-aged schlub myself, you know, I, I relate to him a lot, um, but I'm also fine that we didn't get him. Um, like I didn't, I think he's okay. Yeah. Of all of the the Watchmen original Watchmen characters, he was probably the least interesting uh, from a storytelling perspective. He's just a rich guy who does some good stuff. Um, he's the Batman of the Watchmen universe, and like he's just owl guy. And like, okay, that's fine. I was fine that we didn't get him. I was I uh, like you. I was I was disappointed that there wasn't even like a hint or acknowledgement or even like a meaningful look between John and between Dr. Manhattan and Laurie that might have communicated a lot. You've got, you know, two wonderful actors there. Um, they, they can do a lot. Um,
0: if we dissect that scene too, because we don't get that moment, you're right, and yet at the same time, Angela notes that that he sends uh, Looking Glass, right. Vite, and Laurie to Antarctica. Right. Potentially quite, you he, he, he may know what's actually, I kind of at that point, it's not really clear that he totally knows what's going to happen because right. he's kind of messed up, but he sends them. She could have died when the ice squitties were coming down. Um, They're coming down pretty hard. She's got like half of a suitcase or something to, to guard her. But, and obviously she can take care of herself, but she does wonder why didn't I go too?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and his his response was heartbreaking, right? Like he he wanted he didn't want to be alone when he died, which I you know I think it, it is a uh, it's uh, a sentiment that feels very familiar, even though uh, you know most of us here I would imagine have not felt it, um, given that we're all still alive. Um, so for me, the the, the one thing or what well, the primary thing about the show as a whole that I didn't love uh, was that I felt like while the show asked a lot of questions about racism and about white supremacy in America, they hinted by the, about, excuse me, they hinted about a lot of questions about American imperialism or imperialism in general. um, And they didn't really, from my money, connect the two first of all. Connect white supremacy with with uh, imperialism, and they are connected. I think, and they they really I think gave uh, the questions about imperialism short shrift. So they have this character, this Lady True character, who's really really interesting. Right, um, we find out that she's Adrian Veidt's daughter. Um, that she has cloned her mother as her own daughter that she's, you know, the most intelligent woman in the world and that she's essentially the new Vite, right? But outside of a couple of scenes here and there, we didn't get a really, like, a a good explanation of her motive. Is she motivated by getting revenge for American imperialism? Is she really motivated, like, by, um, you know, this sort of, benevolent dictatorship idea that she has, where she's going to become the new Dr. Manhattan and fix all the problems in the world. Or is it a combination of those two? And I feel like, you know, those questions really went on unanswered and whether or not we get a second season, they're going to probably remain unanswered because they killed her off at the end. Um, I don't think that she was necessarily portrayed as the big bad, although I've seen people, you know, uh, discuss her in that way as, Oh, well it's disappointing that she was the big bad. I don't really think that she was portrayed that way. Um, but it, it does feel just sort of, if not one note, maybe like two note. And I wanted them to give us, you know, maybe a whole chord instead of just those two notes.
0: Yeah, I did, Grow to start to think that she was either the villain or somebody closely associated with one. Just the way she was introduced, which I mean, you read Watchmen the first time. I I never personally sat down and thought, "Gee, who's behind this?" But when you right. reread it, it's clear that Adrian is a bad guy. Right. Eventually, because he's just he's so he's not in it very often. And he's, he's so sort of othered from the other guys, like, apart from uh, Manhattan. And Watchmen as a narrative, when you think about all the things that you love about it, it's not really the end that, you know, she and her father both kind of served purposes in a narrative. What I would have loved to have seen more is They hint at how Dr. Manhattan is, you know, really kind of... He's not a good guy. He's not a bad guy. He does not stop world peace... I mean, uh, he does not stop world hunger. He does not stop disease. He doesn't stop any of this stuff. He could, we think. Um, And in the comic, he is kind of like working on some stuff. I mean, he's a researcher, fine. But... There's always the possibility... Why didn't they try and create another Dr. Manhattan... Good question. And the power that she was seeking, we don't... I mean, you could look at uh, North Korea or Russia's uh, pursuit of a nuclear weapon and think like, what do you want to do with that thing? Um, She pursued ultimate power in a way that didn't really uh, betray her, her underlying motives. We don't know what she would have done with that, but... I guess if, if you had that kind of money, if you had that kind of power, and you had the ability to try and to to become Doctor Manhattan, I mean, there are a lot of narratives that just show somebody going off the the beaten arrow because they they thought they could transcend the parameters of life and death. Look at one Anakin Skywalker,
1: Icarus. Sure, yeah,
0: Icarus. That's it's a it's a timeless story. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh,
1: I, I think we were talking previously about about Doctor Manhattan and why he decided to come back. So, so, so my probably my favorite part of the series, I think, yes, my favorite part of the series was the second to last episode where. Um, we got the explanation of why um, and why he why Dr. Manhattan came back from wherever he was and went to Saigon and met with Angela and this whole love story um, that spanned a, a decade in time and space um, was really affecting in a lot of in a lot of ways. Um, but I, I, I like Manhattan is so interesting because he is so powerful and also, doesn't give a shit about so many things that he should, um, except for he wanted to be loved. He wanted to love this person who, who ended up being Angela and they had this sort of beautiful love story, um, that at the one, like that at the same time felt very lived in. And also that we wanted to spend so much more time with at the same time. Um, but he, but as you said, he, he could have done so much more. And Will Reeves says that right at the end, referring to Dr. Manhattan. He could have done so much more. And so I, I, I love the way that the series ended with this hopeful notion that maybe Angela Abar, having uh, assumed his powers, assumed Dr. Manhattan's powers or consumed them, and, and assuming that she has them herself, which I think
0: we can. Be um, a raw egg like a scene out of Rocky.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what happens when you eat a raw egg is you become a god who can walk on water. Um, yeah, like that, that she's going to fix those problems. She's going to be the Dr. Manhattan who cares, who gives a shit. Um, and that's, that's the hope, right? Um, and whether or not we get a season two part of me really wants one, but part of me is like that hopeful ending is kind of perfect in and of itself. And I don't need to know necessarily how it works out because I'm sure that on some level it won't. And that might be, um, kind of sad.
0: That, that kind of comes closely tied with, um, one of the things in reading the comic in preparation for the show. And then when I wrote my piece, uh, I really, and as a film critic, uh, this kind of hints at a lot of what Disney's been doing lately. But I think nostalgia is, is somewhat of a destructive force in, in uh, modern culture, specifically uh, popular culture. Sure. We're a little too obsessed with the past, uh, especially as a trans person. Uh, I I love 90s cartoons. I love 90s game systems. I don't want to go back to the 90s back in sorry bojack um (laughs) i it and adrian has a perfume called nostalgia and dr manhattan his most hidden in his sort of origin issue in the comic and he's constantly saying the date and i'm walking here to constantly have all of those timelines playing in your head you would kind of lose your humanity because what's what's nostalgia if you experience all planes of, of time and being all at once? There's no nostalgia. Everything is... Everything or nothing. And yet... We get this nine-episode arc. A beautiful arc. A lot of, lot of questions that uh, may get answered. A lot of them will probably not be answered. And... I, I think that's I, I think we as a culture if the one lesson we took away from how lost modified its narrative really in in response to people just hurling their fists in the air and wow we have to uh, answer everything. We life life is not really all that full of answers. Things things move on and that's that's okay. Time 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 is not like Dr. Manhattan. It moves forward and there's just so much. There's so much out there in the in the streaming world that uh, to to cling to these things, and we're gonna be remaking things like Batman, or like they're making another Power Rangers again. <laughs> we're getting a, 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 Star Wars. The Skywalker saga is ending. Fifty years from now, we're gonna see another Skywalker. We're and, absolutely going to. Yes, it's not the end. Uh, and and I I love I. I love the idea of uh, not kidding. We, you, you, just to go back to uh, a, a trans topic again, we've we've talked on uh, first episode of this podcast was about my name. Uh, I found that when when people really want to like press me on why I didn't change my name, they get really frustrated when I'm just like, I gave you the answer. It's it's okay. and they're like, well, is not that confusing? Don't it's just like it's okay. And people want like something better than that. And I'm like, I don't care. It's the life, uh,
1: life. Life goes on. So, tying back to the earlier discussion about masks, right? Do you feel like as a trans person?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I could have, I could have brought that up. Yeah. That
1: that no, it, like so. Uh, do you feel that as a trans person, you were you were wearing a mask previously? Do you feel like you still have to wear masks?
0: Well, actually, to to go be before we were talking about uh, I me mean, Clint and I actually had. Brunch yesterday with uh, Tara, uh, Alexandra, friend of the podcast, um, and then uh, Clint's friend Link and Clint's friend Julie, Julie, oh, comic book uh, who, who
1: runs Secret Headquarters in Los Angeles.
0: Yeah, very cool. Um, I brought up that I guess we got on the topic of costumes. Oh, Comic Con! Uh, we got on the topic of costumes and. I said that uh, I, I don't really wear Halloween costumes, and it's not its not because, it's, there's not really some like big reason, except I, I used to often say, well, I wore a costume for 20, 23, 24 years, and then people are just sort of like, wow, that's dark. And nobody <laughs> la- nobody laughs at the joke, and I think it's kind of funny. I did not to toot my own horn. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I, it's, it, it's like a mask that you don't want. And it's also a mask that you didn't pick out, that right. you didn't ask for, that you don't like. And yet it's there until you go and change something about it. And you really – i I've had instances where closeted people have uh, reached out and they've said, I don't know what to do, I feel so bad. And I was like, well, you've got to come out. And then they say, well, my family situation, I can't. And a lot of times those are very valid reasons. And I get, I, I say to them, look, I hear you. You're you're afraid of, there's never a good time to do it. Right. Never. And you will not feel better until you do. So you're not negotiating with me to come out. I, I, I I'm not the one telling you this is when you have to do it. All I'm saying to you is, do it on your own timeline but don't expect relief until you do do it like that's that's all there is to it i dysphoria um dysphoria used to affect me really like two or three times a year and when i transitioned that was largely in response to the fact that it was becoming worse and it wasn't going away and that it was just persisting and i i really i i mean i i you could say I'm putting on a mask. I had eight, eight surgeries designed at, uh, you could say all of those were a mask in some way. Uh, hmm. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. Um, I go out. I, I I don't feel like I'm, I, I'm also somebody who kind of hates makeup. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's, <sighs> nobody likes to feel like they're hiding something that they don't want to keep hidden.
1: Right. I think that's, Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, when you made that comment last yesterday, Brunch, it, 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 uh, ran through my head as I was watching the episode yesterday and Will Reeves was talking about how, uh, wounds need oxygen. They need air to heal. Um, and they don't heal under masks. Um, and I, you know, that, that concept really hit me pretty hard. Um, and I, I really enjoyed that, and I really appreciate you sharing that with me because um, I, I I was curious um, as to whether whether or not you felt that way. So thank you.
0: Sometimes uh, the the no one cares who I was, so I put on the mask. <laughs> yeah, um, Bain, and Bane's Bain, been mentioned a few too many times in the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I so I I
1: think that so do you want do you want to? We were talking about this earlier too. Do you want a second season or a third season? What do you think?
0: So, I, uh, what an interesting question. Right? That I, look, I why, I love, I say this as I'm like staring at all the comics that I have up on my thing, and I, I could look at pretty much any direction in my apartment. There's comics. Just, I love the place. I love it.
1: This is true. I'm I'm in the apartment now.
0: There's probably some under <laughs> there. Yes, there. You know? <laughs> yes, there <are. laughs> I, uh, I I I love this world. I love to play in it. It's a it's a it's it's beautiful and like Tales of the Black Freighter that the that yeah. the comic did. There's so much. There's so. Um, anytime you get that kind of, it's like in the well, Clint hasn't seen the leftovers, but they go to like this alternate reality in in uh a couple of the episodes and. You realize it's it's like it's like the Aladdin song. It's a whole new world, a new fantastic, fantastic point of view. <laughs> I won't sing it a whole new world. No, um, uh, it Watchmen. I will uh always love to uh spend time there. Uh, from a critical standpoint, uh, no, I don't really want one. Yeah, I don't. I think that if 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 I was the creator and Alan Moore is somebody who really wants people to stop doing any of this kind of stuff right right um from his perspective uh the work is the work i i and I somebody I, I, I don't I don't really write sequels I don't like to to revisit that kind of stuff uh, and yet and yet. And yet, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> who who wouldn't who wouldn't say yes to you know you you, you there there's there's so, something to be said about going out on a high note, right? And that's all she wrote. And you know that happens that happens in sports sometimes. Right. You get uh, an athlete who's got their last ride, and that that works. Um, um, it doesn't happen all. The, um, we want these great, great happy endings. We're not going to always get them. So if, if if that's if that's in mind, if a season two of Watchmen was just really good instead of like oh my god this is Oscar worthy not Emmy any, any worthy, <laughs> only only the the new Twin Peaks gets like oh this is a complete movie. <laughs> I don't know if I agree with that, but <laughs> um yeah I mean I I I would love. Let's just say like Rorschach had a secret kid. Yeah, they want to do a show about him. Would I want that? Not really. Would I watch it? Yeah, of course. Uh, Angela Manhattan. Would I watch that? Of course. Yep. Would I watch uh, Laurie playing with Manhattan dildo? Yep. <laughs> I would. Or, or Lubman. We don't. We never figured out what happened with him.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, though canonically, there is a for right. people. Yeah, yeah. The people who read PDPedia, the the HBO sort of supplements. Loop man is canonically Petey. so that's great. It's great that we got that. Uh, I was surprised that he didn't show up and save the day. Um, I was definitely hoping for that on some level, but um, but yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Like, it's it's a difficult question to answer. I think that this series was not necessarily perfect, but I thought it was excellent in a lot of different ways. Um, and so, absolutely, like you, if I we're given the opportunity to watch a second season. I would watch the fuck out of that. But I don't necessarily feel like I need it. Um, It's not like, you know, at the end of season one of game of Thrones, you're like, Oh my God, I need to know what that, what happens next. Right. And obviously it's a different show in a lot of different ways, but, um, this, you're like, okay, this is a very hopeful ending. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't know that I need to know more. um, uh, Lindelof gave an interview to Vulture to Angelica Jade uh, Bastion at, at Vulture, and he basically said, I mean, he was very cagey. I'm sure he's been asked by HBO multiple times whether whether they want to do another one, but he basically he punted on that. He demurred, um, and he said, you know, like if there is a season two, you know, maybe it should be helmed by somebody else. Maybe it should be helmed by uh, a person of color or a woman of color or um, or a woman or, or just somebody other than a white dude is specifically what he said. Um, and I, I think that that has a lot of merit. And, you know, like, I think you could, you could re- pick this up, you know, season two, if you were going to do it, you could pick it up with, you know, Angela walking on water, um, or you could jump, like jump 20 years ahead, jump 40, 50 years back, something, you know, like jump, do some sort of time jump that doesn't make it necessarily like a serial where we've got to find out what happens next on on ER or General Hospital or something like that,
0: you know? What would you think about the possibility that, uh, you know, in in 2008, 2009, we had the before Watchmen, and they did the Minutemen. They did a bunch, but the Minutemen come to mind having known what you know now about hooded justice do you think they could do a minimen show or do you think that it would it i because when you when you mentioned game of thrones i thought you know rest in peace long night that would have been great sure uh and they're gonna do the fire and blood dance of the dragons uh, i'm sure that'll be good uh and 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 uh, George R. R. Martin specifically said, with all of this, with the Game of Thrones cinematic universe, televised universe, they're never going to go past the point, which right. I think is kind of a mistake because uh, there's other other geographical locations to go to that would be smart. I agree. Um, and I also like especially medieval technology there's no reason they can't go ahead like nothing it, it it's really okay to do that. Well, uh,
1: yeah. I think George just doesn't want to continue to spoil the books that he hasn't written.
0: True. Yeah. So, but um Minutemen and I mean prequels prequels are naturally kind of tough. You got to yeah. go Yeah. Uh like Star Trek Discovery people get really mad because it's progressive as as if as if Star Trek oh, yeah. right. as if Star Trek wasn't
1: Right, like people getting
0: mad about woke Watchmen. It's like, did you read the original yeah, Watchmen? It's, it's, yeah, yeah. Um, but the Minutemen present a lot of possibilities, especially now. Uh, the Watchmen comic is, you know, there's Rorschach, who is a parody of a homophobe, but then there's also he, he, Alan Moore is is not the wokest of the wokes. Fair. Uh, and I mean, it's. It's okay. I mean, it's, you can't love pop culture and cringe when, uh, you know, somebody doesn't handle a gay person from the 80s all that well. Or, uh, like, I don't watch, I don't watch Friends because that's (laughs) just so dated. Uh, Because you
1: have taste. Sorry. 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 Sorry I apologize to all the Friends lovers out there. Well, like, not really.
0: Frasier, which, uh. We gotta get Bookshelf Stud back. He likes Fraser. Um,
1: that <laughs> doesn't surprise me at all. I think he
0: he laughed at. We we did uh, in the preview episode. I mentioned Frasier and for the Game of Thrones, and he was laughing. Um, that's one of my favorite shows. That uh, has has a lot of uh, Niles needs to do some soul searching. Uh, <laughs> but um, it it they 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 could do a lot with The Minutemen or the era of costumed adventures. We see so little of that. Right, and we don't this this comic used or this season. It did kind of feel like a comic. Uh, they should make it into a comic. <laughs> uh, they used the past in such a productive way, and it wasn't just uh, you know member berries like from South Park. Um, it wasn't just nostalgia for the sake of nostalgia. Uh, I hate I hate when people are like, oh. They did this for uh, fan service. Do it if it's good. All entertainment should
1: be fan service. Right. I mean, fans, you mean people like it and so that's bad? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I have no idea. Um, I, I'm as to what I would do if if I got the keys. Again, like I think Linda is right. I think it needs to be handed handed off to somebody um, who's not an old white guy. But speaking as an old white guy, I don't know what I would do. I I would. I I would hesitate to pick it up right after Angelica Angelica becomes Sister Manhattan, you know. Um I think that that is probably not what I want to see most. Um but I don't know. I and like you, man, whatever they gave I would t- I would watch. I would watch the fuck out of it, but like uh, I I'm, I'm I'm I don't know that we need it. Um so I don't know.
0: It's also what I loved to make something like Tulsa into like a destination. City. Yeah.
1: Now I want to go to Tulsa for yeah. the first time in my life. I've wanted to go to Oklahoma. It's it's amazing. That is the power of this television show.
0: I have spent a night in Oklahoma City on my way out west. Uh, it was an interesting place. Sure. Uh, and it, I mean, there's just so much like I get very sick of how many superheroes things are said in New York. It's yeah. like, okay, we get it. Uh there are all these uh really you can, you can make they took they they made Vietnam and Tulsa into destination spots and that's really cool and it shows kind of the power of the medium when you uh kind of step outside the endless boardwalk empire comes to mind of just like this endless New York it's like masturbatory sure. it's, or la la land of LA like we get it, Hollywood I it's it's for 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 a f- future for Watchmen. I would just love you know keep reinventing it, and you can be you can have an homage to the past. We don't we don't necessarily need to see Daniel Dryberg, Although I hope he's happy. He
1: in jail. Yes, I'm sure he's fine.
0: I'll never forget you know Rorschach. He, he 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 enabled Rorschach, but he also like. Who else on he stopped Rorschach from killing a lot of people, like as like his one tie to humanity. He heated up his he wanted his beans to be heated up. Oh, that's right. That's
1: right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um he it's it's I, I personally I've I've always I think Rorsch I I like many, I, I I think about Watchmen on a level of just think about Rorschach because he's really arguably the protagonist and one thing that i really uh, i read this morning that i was thinking about was there was an article in uh, polygon that criticized the past two episodes for not really being angela centric hmm. and they basically made the point we had nothing but angela at first from then on we've gotten like more and more about the old people but we got less about her and initially i was like yeah that's true and it is it is true and yet, I mean, she really she's filling she's filling the Rorschach void in the narrative in a lot of ways. Um, More, and it's different because it's not like she's necessarily sharing it with Lori or John in the same sense as the old one. But it's like it's like you have a narrative uh, like this really this really character driven piece that then needs to have something that mirrors more of a traditional finale. And for that, it's not, you know, there's never a, tons and tons of character development in a final episode of any season.
1: Yeah. And then he really needs to tie up all of these, um, or at least some of these loose ends. I mean, Lindelof is famous for not answering all of the questions. That's his, his MO is like, he wants to answer some of the questions, the important ones, but not others. And you can debate how well he does it and how, however you want to, debate it and that's fine but you know like we didn't get a loose end on PD we didn't get a loose end or excuse me on loot man we didn't get a loose loose end tied up on some of these some of these other you know sort of things that they spent time with like you know uh, f- for example I think it was episode three or episode four where the the children the kids their their um, what was it uh, it was a relative It was like an uncle who wanted to get paid right like but that was just thrown in there and you know we didn't get a, a loose end tied up there like why he was there what what he was there for um and that's okay that's fine um but they needed to like bring at least the main threads together they needed to bring lady true and vite and dr manhattan and angela yeah. and senator Keene, um not great bob uh to yeah he's a dick yeah to uh
0: he would not vote to impe- impeach president that's trump
1: that's absolutely true um but yeah like they needed to bring all those people into one space and have have that final confrontation and I think they did a good job of it. I think it was a fairly conventional uh finale in the sense that you know people died and like they hinted at a next chapter and then that was that. Um were, so
0: were you sad that President Nixon wasn't still in office?
1: <laughs> I was not. I'm, <laughs> I I I I I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of uh, our of uh, President Nixon, um, so yes, I know Ian's pointing to. She's got like three or four pictures of Nixon in her apartment, which I was not expecting, folks. That was that was uh, a little bit strange. Alongside like communist flags, so there's a lot going on. It's a lot. Upshot is, um, uh, yeah, no, like I, I'm, I'm uh, I, I was fine with that. I, I heard the, or I heard that. Um, I think I saw that in that article too. I don't know that I would agree that it wasn't Angela-centric enough. I think that, um, especially the second-to-last episode was about Angela, even though it seems like it was about Manhattan, in my mind.
0: That's true, yeah.
1: In my mind, it really was about her um, and how she reacted to everything, even though, again, it's Manhattan setting her up for all of this this stuff. Um, So I I wouldn't necessarily agree with that critique. I think that it was, and and Lindelof in the... um, the vulture article, the vulture vulture interview, stated that the reason that this season was essentially uh, Angela's origin story, that like a lot of other superheroes. Um, who have sort of multiple origin stories. Batman has the multiple origin story of his parents dying, and then also then uh, discovering the Batcave. Those are two different mul- origin stories. Superman has landing on planet Earth and then later leaving Small Smallville. Those are two different origin stories. So Angela has the origin story of becoming Sister Knight, the White Knight. Um, that's part of her origin story. And then she also has this origin story of becoming Sister Manhattan. That's the second part of her origin story. And so that's that's fine. And it, it, I think it really works in that way. Um, you know. And, and again, I, I think it shouldn't be just sort of glossed over that they decided to make the most powerful being in the universe or potentially make the most powerful being in the universe an African-American woman from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I think that that's, that's if not revolutionary, I think it's significant to note um because you don't see that much in American television.
0: She's also fluent in Vietnamese.
1: Also fluent in Vietnamese, yes, true.
0: And she had uh, good taste in, in VHS films as a child?
1: She did. I, she I, and she looked I, fucking awesome. Like that like I was I was pissed in some way that um the season premiered after Halloween, or I think it was close enough to Halloween that I, that we wouldn't we didn't get just like a fuck ton of really cool like sister night costumes, you know? Maybe next year. She
0: did have a great costume, and same with uh, M- Mirror Man looking.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, and Lube Man. I want Maybe I will be Lube Man <laughs> for borrow, I
0: have I have bottles upon bottles of KY jelly for dilation. Wow, uh, totally non sexual purposes, but actually I bought them for Lube Man.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean.
0: Well, I, I dropped my phone in a storm drain, so I just had to like lube myself up. So I could, <laughs> I could go jump jump in to get it. It's, I, uh, I, I went into this show with high expectations. Normally, I tell myself, you know, when the Force Awakens came out, I had no expectations, and I still don't really like. That. I think that one is too much of a remake. Uh, to I, I like I. I think I'm one of the few people who really has a split opinion on the Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. I really like the Last Jedi, and I don't like the Force Awakens very much. Um, I don't go into this stuff with expectations because it's just take take what you're given, and it, if you don't like it, don't go and come and cry about it or go on Reddit. Um, it, it's all it's all okay. Uh, I was blown away. I really. Damon Lindelof is uh, really good at this stuff. Which, yeah. which, as you said, um, if they do do something forward, yeah, give it, give, give somebody a, a ring. People can comment. Oh, look at this man's body of work; it's so great. That's true. All of it. That's true. And yet, it also is reflective of the fact that he was given the means to do that, right. which a lot of people are not. So it's it's, you know, uh, for all the people who salviate over Scorsese, as talented as he is, there's not really a lot of women who could have been in that position or people of color. Um, and that's that's kind of, uh, 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 you know, that said, he's he's made a lot of choices that got people thinking. It exposed a lot of the just nonsense of people who think this has ever been anything other than one of the most politically charged comic books ever written. Right. Uh, it's... A really, really beautiful piece of work that I loved writing about. I love consuming it. Uh, this podcast has been a lot of fun. It There's just so much to, so much to chew on, and they don't do anything more. You still have uh, so much things to think about for the next uh, however many years until we get another one. If well, let let me put it this way: We're not done with Watchmen, by
1: no. Me. I'm sure we're not. And if you're Lindelof, um, he can hardly be blamed for. Like, giving up after one really good season, right? Like, if I'm Lindelof, I'm thinking about how people reacted to the later scenes of Lost and, like, how the first season of Leftovers was kind of, like, meh and, like, didn't hook a lot of people, uh, even though the last two seasons, which I haven't seen, are beloved. Um, They're
0: very good. I highly recommend
1: them. Right. Um, But I didn't watch the last two seasons because I thought the first season was just, like, fine. and, uh, And that's okay. But... If if you're Lindelof, right, and you've had those two experiences, and you do a really fucking great first season, like, I don't blame him, or I wouldn't blame him if he decides to pull a George Costanza and just be like, I did it, I'm out, you guys take over, you know, like, just so he can't be blamed, and you can go on and move on to the next thing. So that's my thought.
0: Do we have, uh, do we have final thoughts about the episode or have we,
1: uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of it. I, I really liked the last episode. I, um, I, oh, one, one thing I, I did want to mention is that like, so I watched it with both of my partners, neither of whom had seen, um, or had, had seen the original movie or had read the book. Um, and I wasn't sure how they would react to it, you know, it. And they both loved it. Um, they th- they both thought it was really um, interesting and engaging, and we're we excited to watch it. So um, it, I think that that says a lot about the quality of the show. That it wasn't just for hardcore book nerds. Um, that you didn't have to have this really dense um, uh, knowledge of the this really dense book. Um, so uh, uh, yeah, overall, I, I I would give it like a solid. A minus A, um, or in your parlance, I would give it a fresh. Oh, Or, yeah. or maybe a hella fresh. Um, I don't know if that's a, a rating, but it should be.
0: Um, but yeah,
1: I, I really liked it.
0: I typically don't do uh, letter ratings, but that's just because I... So hard. Roger Ebert himself was like, my ratings are inconsistent. They mean nothing. Right. Um, I wouldn't want... Comment sections are a dumpster fire, enough of you gave this one a B minus, right? Y-. Right, <laughs> <laughs>
1: because it's art and I'm imperfect. Fuck you,
0: yeah. Uh, I also watched it with uh, Tara, who had seen the movie. Uh, I'm a big fan of the movie. I well, it put Matthew Good, who I love, he's so hot, uh, <laughs> and Jeremy. Jeremy Irons looks like adult. Uh, Matthew Good is a grown adult, and yet I still think of him as a baby. Yeah, uh, oh, he's so good. Uh, that, the Donnie Brasco movie—we recorded that podcast. Boy, did I talk about how annoyed I was that he was only like a cameo role. Uh, Henry Talbot. Oh, I know no, I'm going to talk about <laughs> later. <laughs> uh, the casting
1: for the Watchmen movie was the best part.
0: Alan Ackerman, Jeffrey D. Morgan, Patrick Wilson—I mean, you—you you really. Uh, Jack Earl Haley. Yeah, uh, perfect. Yeah, that that did a a lot for me, and it was ultra violent, too violent. But um, the music, actually, I thought worked. Uh, Snyder uh, been down on him. I do support release the Snyder cut of Batman of Ju- Justice League, but I don't really care. So I'm, I'm maybe the one person who feels like that. Also, uh, I just want to see it because I Justice League is the one movie where I started. Vaping in the movie theater, not car- not caring if I got. I was really. I, I, didn't I think re-
1: that fits with the spirit of Justice League.
0: I, it was so bad that I did. not Nobody cared. I, there was smoke flowing all right. over the place, and nobody cared. Um, I'm surprised people didn't ask me. Uh, but it's it's. I, I like the movie. Tara, when we finished like the first or the second episode, she's like, "How much of that was the comic?" And I was like, "Very little. Like you you don't need to follow along." But that's... I mean, you always love a work that is uh, thought-provoking for fans of the work and yet also accessible to new people. I think that's what a lot of things aim right. for. Right. And that's something the Star Wars franchise has done really well. And I th- well, we've gone this far, but I just want to say Baby baby Yoda. And actually, while we have Clint here, fuck Sergora. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, like, I think Sir Jorah would be... Um, would definitely be one of the shittier Watchmen. Uh, like maybe he would be like I don't know. His his Watchmen persona would be like um uh, friend zone guy. You know, like that would be his yeah. his his mask. He
0: anyway. uh
1: God, I hate him so yeah, much. I,
0: know. I lost my train of thought. Watchmen uh- Oh oh there
1: is a Sergiora connection to Watchmen. Did you know this? That in the original Watchmen movie right so the the oh, sorry the original watchmen movie the apparently they were thinking about doing a watchmen movie before Zack Snyder and the person who was initially tabbed to play night owl was Ian Glenn hmm,
0: interesting which is actually and
1: I um the Nauticast guys mentioned this. Um, that's how I, I heard about this. Uh, Emmett and Jeff mentioned this, but they they basically said, and this is absolutely right, that would be terrible casting because Ian Glenn is way too handsome and and charming to be night
0: owl.: That's true. He'd have to gain a lot of weight. He Pat- would, Patrick yeah. Wilson gained a lot of weight. um i they had Ian Glenn on Titans as Bruce Wayne. And he doesn't really ever wear the Batman costume, but it was really odd. He's he's almost too pretty. I, and I guess, I don't know, Michael Keaton and Val were are both pretty good Batmans. Clooney's maybe a little too pretty for him. Uh, and Christian Bale's fine, but um, I, I, I wouldn't want surgery. I don't really want... I, I, Ian, Ian Glen was also in Downton Abbey. I liked him in that. Wouldn't have wanted him in the, this, but Watchmen it it's always going to it's always going to divide people cuz it's just one of those works that we put up on a pedestal.
1: Yeah. For a good reason, right? It's true, yeah. But I mean it makes all of those like top 20 lists of books, literature books published in literature books. It was uh, b- Books the, published in the 20th century,
0: right? Like It was the one graphic novel on Time's 100 of the from right. 1905 to yeah. 2005.
1: And deservedly so.
0: So. But it's You know, as a kid, I always took my tags off the Beanie Babies because I knew they weren't going to sell for billions of dollars. You take toys out of the box, unless they're Disneyland collector's items, Um, in which case you just take them out of the box later. Sure, (laughs) sure. Um, Watchmen deserves to be adapted. It deserves to be accessed. It's a very difficult book to read. I reread it before the thing. and I I can get through uh, graphic novels pretty quickly. Watchmen, you sit down and there's... A lot of prose. It's it's a it's a dense work. And when they're doing Tales of the Black Freighter where you've got like two separate stories yep. going on in each yep. panel. It's it's we we live in a culture that doesn't really love reading. Uh obviously uh Clinton and I are really uh sit apart from that because we both uh engage with a song a swath Yes. A I've read
1: the books. I've hashtag read the books.
0: Yeah, not an unsullied. Um uh, but we just, it's good to have things that, uh, it's always nice to, Sunday's always going to be my, like, favorite peak night, of the, uh, this is my one night of the week where I like to watch TV sh- that shows that air that night, mm-hmm. I don't want to watch other things, uh, and it's been my ritual, in grad school I would have Walking Dead parties, we would watch Homeland, uh, I still watch The Simpsons a lot on most Saturdays, Sundays, uh, I just loved it. I thought that this was really special and I'm not surprised that it was special. It could have sucked, but, uh, it was a lot of fun and it was in a lot of fun of ways that I never, ever, ever, I, I, I didn't really make predictions, but I wouldn't have gotten any of them right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was goofy. There was a bunch of stuff that was really fucking goofy and it, and it pulled it off. They did the squids. People,
0: people who missed the movie or didn't, or didn't want that in the movie or didn't get it in the movie. Uh, we had our squids. Yeah. It's bizarre. Little squids. He saved the world by dropping a giant anth- cephalopod, cephalopod onto New York City. Yeah, but uh, that's it's remarkable. Anyway, I think that's probably a good good place to stop, and uh, we don't have to wait for the online upload process now. We've got oh great inside baseball. <sighs> Wonderful, uh, Clint. It's been uh, it's been an honor to have you here. Yeah. The studio. Um,
1: yeah, I really appreciate you you having me on um, again. Uh, also, you know, so cool to hang out in person. Um, for folks who um, are interested in other things that I do, my name is like us. Like we said, my name is Clint. Um, you can find me writing um, about the Song of Ice and Fire universe, specifically the laws of the Song of Ice and Fire universe, on my blog at lawsoficeandfire.com or at Westeros Law on Twitter. My personal Twitter is Clint W. I tweet too much, so um, you can um, <laughs> you can follow me at your peril. I um, want to give a shout-out to Ian's mom, who says that I have a nice voice. Oh, yes. Very nice. I appreciate that. That's uh,
0: not a compliment that everybody gets. Some other people have gotten it. Though. I'm not uh, going to name it. So.
1: I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, so, yeah, good voice Clint. is. Uh, is I'm, th- I'm going to get uh, business cards. With that on it. So, uh, yeah, thanks again for having me.
0: Awesome. And to everybody listening, uh, thank you so much for... I already said listening. Thank, thank you so much. I will see you next time.